and then all their kids, I knew their story would make a great book. The cool thing is, over the last year, I've got to work on the book with Todd and Brooke. It's called Every Little Win. Every Little Win is Todd and Brooke's story that really shares all the little things that led up to God using them in this big win of The Voice. And it's an amazing story, and they're going to tell you a little bit about it in their own words. Uh, in our book, Every Little Win, what I really hope you learn is that you don't have to have enough money. And maybe you think the opportune time has already passed, but it has not. You can still get that victory regardless of those things. Our book, Every Little Win, is about, you may think that you've messed up too bad or you've gone too far for God to redeem it, but that's not true. We want to show you and empower you that with God, all your stories are redeemable. How fun is that? I'm so excited about that book. You can find out more information at everylittlewinbook.com. And if you haven't heard Todd sing, just go to YouTube, put in Todd Tillman, T-I-L-G-H-M-A-N. You are going to have a blast discovering this amazing artist. practices that will allow any believer to do just that. They share these in less. Five everyday ways to love your neighbor and change the world. Bless is available now wherever books are sold. Listening to Walk It Out with Trisha Goyer, where we discover what it looks like to follow God and be swept away on the journey of a lifetime. Author of over 70 books, mom of 10, yes, 10, homeschooler and speaker, Trisha Goyer will explore what radical obedience to God's Word looks like. It's time to hear from God lovers who've dared to say yes. Listen in to heart to heart chats and learn how others overcame doubts and fears. Discover how God used ordinary people to impact others one step at a time. If you're ready to get radical, get going, and make a difference in this world, you're at the right place. Here's your host, prolific writer, world traveler, people lover, and mega nap taker, Trisha Goyer. Friends, today on Walk It Out, we're going to be talking about writing. Now, if you're not interested in writing a novel or a nonfiction book or blog, this is still for you. In fact, you are going to be amazed by the power that your written words are going to have on your life. This is going to be an amazing conversation and I know you're going to get a lot out of it. So don't go away even if you don't want to write a novel. So my guest today is Allison Fallon. She's an award-winning author, sought-after public speaker, and nationally recognized writing coach. She has worked with thousands of people to realize their writing potential and become published authors. But again, even if you don't want to become a published author, this conversation is for you. So welcome, Allison. Thanks for having me. Yeah, just tell us a little bit about yourself and your life, and then we're going to be talking about writing. Yeah, well, I'll give you a little bit of the backstory, because I know you mentioned this a couple times in the introduction, but um, for people who are listening who are like, I am not a writer, this conversation is for you, I promise. So (laughs) um, 
I got into this work accidentally. I started over 10 years ago because I really wanted to write a book myself. I just had this strange drive that I couldn't explain. I'd had it since I was a young girl. I knew that I knew that I knew that I wanted to write a book. It was a bucket list item for me. And it also felt like more maybe spiritual than that. It felt like I had a thing I wanted to say or share with the world that I didn't really know what it was or what even the content, what was going to be inside of it. I just knew that I wanted to do it. So I set off on this long journey, what I thought was going to take six months and ended up taking three and a half years to get a book written and out into the world. And at the end of that journey, I realized, man, it would have been so nice if I could have had someone who knew what this was like, who could have pulled back the curtain for me and just told me a little bit about what I could have expected and what obstacles I was going to bump into. So that led me into a period of time in my career where I started helping other people who also wanted to be authors, helping them just navigate their publishing life. So some of them were new authors. Some of them had published many times before, but I was basically just helping people sort of shape their stories and put it into the format of a book. And during that time, I started to see how this experience of writing something, whatever it was, sometimes it was a fiction story. Sometimes it was a real story from your life. Sometimes it was a completely content-driven book that was about cooking or commercial real estate or you know something completely random. Whatever it was that this person was writing, the experience of putting it on paper would start to have really positive in, uh, impact on their life. So People were, you know, like engaging in dialogues, conversations with family members that they had been wanting to have for years and didn't ever feel like they could have before, or they would, you know, suddenly be having a conversation with their spouse that they'd been wanting to have that they hadn't had before. They would suddenly have a new career opportunity come in front of them. They'd get a raise. They, it just like, it seemed like it was this magical thing that was happening to them. And I was very curious about this and also incredibly skeptical of myself. I thought like, well, I love writing. So maybe I'm sort of superimposing this idea onto the writing process that people are having this positive experience with it. But as I did a little more digging, I realized I was not making this up and it isn't really magical. It's very connected to brain science. And there are a lot of um, demonstrable reasons why writing can have this kind of impact and, and you know, proven data that shows those who write regularly are more likely to report being happy in their romantic partnerships. They're, you know, they have deeper levels of empathy. They are more likely to make more money, more likely to be hired, less likely to get fired. So all kinds of ways that a regular practice of writing can improve your life. And as soon as I realized that was a thing, I was totally hooked. I felt like this, this just, it, to me, it opened up the opportunity and ability to share this gift that I love called writing with literally anybody who's, who's willing and open to try it. So that's how this book came to be. That's how I started doing the work that I do. I do work with a lot of people who want to be published. And I also work with people who are like, I don't think I ever want to be published, but I like to journal. I think I could, um, you know, get in a habit of writing things down on a daily basis. That sounds like it would be cathartic for me. And so I'm now in the business of helping people do that in a way that feels constructive. And it's so good. And the book is The Power of Writing It Down. And as I'm listening to the audiobook and then underlining the book as we go, I'm about halfway through. But I have to say, like, so many light bulbs were going off in my mind. I have written and had published over 80 books. And 
as I'm reading through your book, I'm like, okay, this is things I was doing that I didn't even realize I was doing. So, mm-hmm. for example, the very first writers conference I ever went to, the speaker was Robin Jonesgen, and she's like, do a timeline of your life and write the highs, or write mm-hmm. down all the highs and all the lows, and circle them. And she goes, these are the themes you need to write about. So before I'd have all these fiction proposals that went nowhere. I mean, one made it to a publishing committee, but didn't get anywhere. And as soon as she told me that, and I started writing from those themes of abandonment or of mm-hmm. loss or of longing or of, um, I was born to a single mom. And so one of my characters, you know, and delve into those. Once I started doing that, I mean, I've had a book contract constantly since 2002, which is just amazing in this yeah. <laughs> writing world. But it made me realize like, okay, this is what, I was doing what what Allison is talking about. I didn't even realize is you are digging into yourself. You are yeah. pulling up these things, and the the reader has no idea that in my book Arms of Deliverance, the character struggle with you know not knowing her father and want to prove herself was me, like me struggling. But it just comes off as authentic. But also, I'm processing as I'm going. So as I'm listening to the audiobook underline, I'm like, oh my goodness, this is what I've been doing. Yeah, I had no idea at the time. Yeah, it's it really is amazing whether you're writing fiction or nonfiction, how you really are drawing from your own life experience in order to get the words on the page. And I say all the time, we'll get to this probably later in the conversation, but that writer's block is not writer's block, mm-hmm. it's life block. And that we can use writing as this kind of diagnostic tool um, to see where we're stuck in our lives. So even if you don't ever publish a thing, just from the act of writing down what's going on with you in your life, where you find you get stuck on the page, if you have that feeling like, I don't really know what to say, or I've got nothing to write today, or this doesn't feel that interesting to me, that feeling can actually teach you. It can work like a mirror. It can teach you about what's going on with you and what's happening in your life. And it can show you you know, where you have emotional or mental blocks that are actually keeping you from living a life that's, that is one you would most enjoy. Yeah, let's just talk about that now because okay. the one of the first questions I had that I wrote down is most people think writing's a chore, but you consider it self-care, which is exactly what you're talking about. It's not totally. a writer's block, it is a life block. So let's talk about self-care and and what you've seen happen mm-hmm. when we're willing to really dig into those places. The reason we think of writing as a chore is because of how we were taught about writing mm-hmm. in the public school system. So, and I'm not, I, I was actually a teacher in the public school system for a couple of years. I admire teachers more than just about anyone else in the world. I think that they're heroes, complete heroes. They deserve to be paid 10 times what they're paid. And, um, you know, most of the teachers that I encountered in my personal experience are really gifted at what they do. But as a whole, the public school system in our country Mm-hmm. doesn't do a good job of equipping people to fall in love with something like writing. In fact, we kind of divide students into two categories, people who are more, you know, STEM, science, technology, math, and then and then students who are good at writing. And we really focus on when it comes to writing um, formulas and formats. Mm-hmm. We teach students how to do persuasive arguments. We teach them how to do a five-paragraph essay. We really focus on grammar. We focus on spelling. I'm not saying these things are bad. What it doesn't cultivate inside of you is a sense of falling in love with your own ability to create something out of nothing, which is what writing really is, right? You come to a blank page, there's nothing there, and it's your responsibility to create a world that never existed before. And we all have an innate ability to do this. We do this as kids. You put kids with you know a bunch of toys in a room together, and they invent a reality that right. never existed before. So we have a very innate ability to do this, and um, 
And I also find that people have, when you really can get them past their own mental blocks, we have a built-in human desire to put words on the page. It's a way of processing our lives. It's a way of understanding ourselves. It's a way of um, unpacking something that we didn't understand and learning how to understand it better. Um, It's a way of communicating with other people. It's meditation. It's spirituality. It's creativity. So we have an innate sort of drive or invitation that comes from inside of us to do this. And the reason that we get stuck, I think, is because of all of the myths that we've created about what it means to be a writer. And a lot of that comes out of the education system. So when I teach writing workshops, one of the first things I do is ask people to tell me about an early memory that they have as it relates to writing. And I would say probably half the room is usually like, I don't have an early memory as it relates to writing. Like I can't, you know, I I can't remember anything, any experience that I had around writing in my early years. And so I'll say, well, let's write about it instead. So I kind of set them up and talk to them about the environment that, that, you know, helps to stimulate your writing life. And then I, I give them an opportunity to actually pick up the pen and write on the paper. And a hundred percent of the time people come up with an early experience. It's like out of nowhere, because writing helps us access a part of our brains that we don't access every day, out of nowhere, people are able to access a memory. And the memories are, are so telling about how, as it relates to how we feel about ourselves as writers. So most people in the room come up with a memory that's something like, um, I had this amazing idea for a story. I wrote it for one of my, my writing classes. I worked really hard on it. I was so proud of it. I turned it in. Um, the teacher turned it back to me and gave me a D because I didn't follow mm. the assignment and I spelled too many words wrong and the whole thing was marked up with red pen. And after that, I just kind of lost interest in writing. Yeah. Or they'll tell me a story of how they used to avidly keep a journal. They would you know, write everything that happened to them and they would write about all their crushes and whatever else. And they would hide the journal under their bed. And one day their mom found it and read it in front of their mm-hmm. friends and it embarrassed them to no end. And ever since that day, they haven't been able to write. So you'd be shocked to hear how many of us have an experience like that around the writing process that, that to me says, no wonder, no wonder we dread writing and we don't like to write because we've told ourselves that in order to write, we have to have perfect grammar and no one has perfect grammar. And in order to write, we've got to be a great speller. And to be honest, most writers aren't, aren't inherently great with grammar or great with spelling. Um, most beautiful writers are not, um, you know, so, all that to say, like we have these ideas about what it means to be a writer that we feel we have to exclude ourselves from the tiny group that gets to call themselves a writer. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest thing that's getting in our way. I absolutely agree. And it makes me think of, um, I've taught homeschoolers writing workshops and they'll come in there and they're all, you know, the parents are signing them up for this writing class. And I'm like, okay, we're not going to worry about grammar. We're not going to worry about spelling. And you can just see their like shoulders just relax. And I'm like, you are going to make up the silliest, craziest, funnest ideas you have. We're going to write and you're going to tell your parents, I'm not going to grade your grammar and your spelling. And they were one of my students got her first novel published at 17. I was so proud of her. But every single one of them, the stuff that they brought in was so fun, so insightful. And I had them read it out loud because, you know, they know what they were saying. And, and, And then we'd always give input. You always have to give three things of encouragement to each person and then maybe one thing that they can improve and then go around the room and by the time it got to me I had nothing to comment on the improvement because everyone else had picked up well maybe you could tell more about this character or whatever sure but they were so creative and I completely agree that 
we just stifled that desire to write, that desire to be creative, that desire to delve into ourselves because we are, we have these boxes that we want every one to fit in and so then when we're saying writing self-care people like no like (laughs) I don't want I don't want to do it and even this is a funny story so my son who was homeschooled all the way through I took him to college his first day I'm dropping him off and all of a sudden I panic I'm like oh my gosh I did not teach you how to write a five paragraph essay like you can't go to (laughs) class today and he's like mom it'll be fine and he came home. He's like, mom, they, they started with a five paragraph essay, but I'd been letting him write like he was working on a novel. And so like he did great. They asked him to come to a mentor in the writing department his first semester as a freshman. And he was helping upperclassmen, but I hadn't done like the five paragraph essay. We just wrote <laughs> and were creative. And I'm like, okay, yeah. I feel so much better, but I panicked completely. Cause all of a sudden I realized like I'm sending him to a place that does focus on that organizational stuff. Sure. But you know what that proves to me? This is um, a theory that I've had for a long time. And it just, so many anecdotal moments like this prove to me that the formulas are easy to learn. Grammar Mm -hmm. is just rules and anybody can learn rules. Like we learn rules every single day. You walk into an environment and quickly you, as a human being, you suss out the situation and you learn the rules. Like, you know, you don't show up to work in pajamas. Everybody knows that. You know what he had to tell you, you, nobody had to drill this into your mind. Like you didn't have to memorize that. You just know it because rules are easy to learn. So when you have an impetus to learn the rules, like when you feel drawn to the writing process, you will learn the rules because you'll right. feel motivated to learn them. And, the, and honestly, for the most part, I don't think grammar needs to be taught as in like, here's where a comma goes. We learn grammar rules the same way we learn any other rules, which is by experiencing them. So just like you learn not to wear pajamas to the office by going to the office every day, you know, <laughs> you, you learn by like seeing and observing. Um, the same thing with, with spelling and with grammar. You learn by reading. You learn by watching how other writers do it. Um, so yeah, I think we end up putting the cart before the horse. We focus so much on the rules that we uh, make the writing process feel dreadful instead of focusing on really inspiring kids to read and write and to love reading and writing so that down the road, they feel really motivated to learn the rules. Yeah. Okay. I want to talk about this unstuck part emotionally. And um, I'm telling you this, my book is so underlined, but there's this part that really impacted me. And that like, again, light bulbs going off where you talk about um, that, you know, we begin to see our thoughts and I'm I'm reading from your book here. We begin Mm -hmm. to see our thoughts for what they are, a story we're telling ourselves that's not always helpful. And mm. it's talking about, you know, taking your thoughts and actually writing them down so you can like see them on the page, these you know, yes. thoughts that are going over in your mind. And then we begin to see a pattern of our feelings for exactly what they represent. Memorize sensations in our body that predictably happen again and again and again, no matter the details unfolding around this. And this mm-hmm. went like light bulbs in my mind because we've adopted seven kids. We yeah. go to trauma therapy And they're like, your body's going to feel it even before your mind is knowing what's going on. And so again, they're working with the kids and they're helping them write their story. I'm like, this is what the therapists are doing with kids in trauma, but we can all be doing this with our own lives and helping to understand our stories better. Totally. It's amazing the kind of therapy that you can do with yourself. And Mm -hmm. I'm a huge advocate for hiring a professional, especially if you have mental health issues or, or like, you know, a big kind of trauma in your life that you're trying to work through, like, please do pull in professional support. But what I'm talking about is like, you know, in, in the year 2020, we're all coming off of that year and we all lived through what is a collective trauma. 
Yeah. We have lived through 12 months of completely reshaping our relationship to the world and to each other. It's, it is a collective trauma and it may or may not be trauma that you need a professional therapist for. Um, but regardless of whether you're hiring a professional therapist, writing can be this tool that we can use to go like, what are my thoughts about what we've lived through? And what are my feelings about what we've lived through? And how might those thoughts and feelings be driving and dictating my behavior, maybe in unhealthy ways? Um, like I was just telling my husband the other day, I'm like, man, it's crazy to think about how like all this staying home in the beginning was this novel thing. And now it's become habit and pattern and routine to the point where I think I might have trouble re-entering the world, even when yeah. I'm allowed to. Um, like I, I feel like I might have it, it may also be, I have a young daughter, so it may also be some like postpartum stuff, but I feel like I might have some anxiety about reentering the world. I think I may also like just be in the habit of sort of staying in every night and it, I might just have to break that habit in order to get out a little more often. But all of that to say like that kind of processing is processing that we're all doing and writing is an incredibly beneficial support system that we can offer ourselves in order to process that stuff so that we don't end up, you know, like in five years from now, sort of acting unconsciously and going, um, I didn't mean to, but I just ended up being a, re a recluse and I never left my house, and, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, um, so that we can more consciously make choices in our lives and live the kind of life that we really desire to live. Yeah. And really these thoughts are going kind of around and around in our head and writing them. You see them, you can say, well, is this true? Or how do I feel about this? Or where does this stem from? Like you talked about the collective, like everyone's going through this. But I also like we were, I was just in therapy with one of my daughters um, and her therapist was talking about, you know, because she has anxiety and she's 16. Mm -hmm. um, she talked about like, sometimes I react and I don't even know why. And, yeah. you know, th and the therapist talked about your body will react because your body can remember even if you were too little to remember totally. what was going on. And, you know, she's talking about the things they're going to be working on. And so then I'm like listening to your book and reading. I'm like, oh my goodness, this is exactly what she's talking about. Because some of the questions you have in this section are like, what are the facts of the story? So yeah. even just putting down like what really happened is like, like writing on the facts helps. And um, what are my thoughts about those facts? What is the story I'm telling myself? Because sometimes once we write down the facts, we're like, well, if this really happened, why am I, you know, telling myself it in a different way? Um, yeah. And then this one, how did it make me feel? And where did I experience that in my body? And so, okay, let me tell you, I'm like, I'm debating if I'm going to share the story, but I'm just going to share it. So, <laughs> uh with adopted kids, um, one of the things that I really struggle with is when they turn 18, all of a sudden their biological parents reach out to them. So we've had three kids now that all, they turn 18 and then it's all the drama. And I, I like literally when you, when you said, um, what, you know, what's I'm, what am I feeling in my body? It's like these stabs in my chest. Like, I'm like, I know like logically that they're of course going to want to reach out. I know that we're still connected. We have a relationship. Like, why is this physically like hurting my chest? And so I'm yeah. like writing all this stuff down. And I realized like even growing up um, there, you know, there was times like if I lost a friendship or something, it would have this like physical impact. So then I keep going back, like, where did this come from? And then I remembered my mom telling me something. There was a season when I was little, like a year and a half. And for a month, she had to go away. She was moving to another place, trying to find a, she's a single mom, trying to find a, a place for us to go. And I stayed with my grandparents. And I'm like, I bet as a 
one and a half year old, that was really hard to be separated from my mom for a month. And then, so just like writing all that down. And then I started looking back at my daughter's situation. I'm like, it, like the physical pain wasn't there because I was working on it and writing it down. I'm like, holy cow, like this is so good to like go back and go, okay, I'm physically feeling this. Where did it come from? And it was like writing and going back and then going back and then going back. And I'm like, I don't remember being a year and a half, but I bet that had some impact, like that separation for a month. Totally. And I'm like, okay, this is so good because we were just talking about this in therapy and then actually me going and writing over the last couple of mornings, writing this down. I'm like, okay, I'm going to tell Allison. Well, maybe I won't tell Allison. No, I'm going to tell Allison. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. I mean, I've used writing as a tool in my life. This is speaking, especially to the writers who think I don't ever want to publish anything, but I have used writing as a tool to cure my food allergies, for example. I, Mm. um, let's see, we're in 2021 now, so it would have been about six years ago, had so many food allergies that there was a list of about 10 foods that I could eat without having any kind of pain. And now I can eat whatever I want. That's not, not just writing. It's been a combination of writing and some therapy and you know, other things that I've tried to like support my physical health. But I think the the point that I want to make is that our physical health is attached. It's tied mm-hmm. to our emotional health and our mental health. And so you can't, you cannot just approach a physical ailment as physical and expect for it to go away. I did that for 10 years and didn't make any progress with my food allergies. So I had a choice. It was like, either I decide that I'm going to live with this forever, or I decide that I would like for it to change. And I'm going to take a stab at unpacking what might be going on for me emotionally. And, um, you know, again, it's a combination of some physical approaches and also emotional and mental approaches, but I was able to, to cure my digestive tract and I'm able to eat whatever sounds appealing to me now. So to me, this is why I'm so passionate about this book and this topic is because I believe there's just no end to what this tool can do for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I, I know listeners are like, wait, wait, how does that even happen? So I know, let's go a little bit sure. more because I'm like, okay, I was having these emotional things thinking about the abandonment with my yeah. you know, teen daughters, which they're not, they're still like, some are still in my house, some are gone, but like those abandonment issues, like the thought of it, it's not like they're physically saying, I don't want you to be my mom anymore, but the thought of them, like maybe abandon me brought this physical pain. And then after writing all that down, it didn't. So like mm-hmm. I could say that. And then you're saying my body. Like, so how let's talk a little bit more about this. And I definitely like everyone needs to go get the book because this is just like one little topic that we're talking about. Sure. But how does that even work with our, our, our self-care, our mental, our physical when we're writing stuff down? So let me talk about the chapter that you're talking about in the book is where I explain a little bit of the cognitive behavioral model. This is like mm-hmm. a therapeutic language. I'm going to give a very basic overview of it to explain what I'm talking about. So this cognitive behavioral model is not the only therapeutic model, but I consider it kind of the foundation for many other therapeutic models that have grown out of it. It's like your basic, the, the foundation for your basic talk therapy. So if you were to just like Google a therapist and go to their office and sit on the couch, you know, the, like the stereotypical sit on the couch across from the therapist and they're like, tell me what brings you to therapy probably what they're doing is at least rooted in this cognitive behavioral model. And the cognitive behavioral model basically says that you have thoughts that lead to feelings that lead to actions or reactions that lead to results. And so I break this down into five categories. 
You have something that happens in your life. I call this the facts of your life. That's the first stage. Then you have a thought about that fact. The thought is the story that you're telling yourself about that fact. So something happens in my life. I have a story that I tell myself about it. That's the thought that I'm having. That thought creates an emotional condition, an emotional environment. And this is all, the emotional environment, actually, I think the, the, the place I learned the most about this is from an author named Dr. Joe Dispenza. And he talks about how your body actually, when you have a thought, releases um, like a cocktail of chemicals that cause you to feel a certain way. They, you feel sensations in your body. And it's actually those sensations in your body that are memorized. So you don't even know that you're thinking the thought, except that mm. you're feeling the feeling. So you're feeling this familiar, like set this cocktail of chemicals that's swirling in your body. You're feeling a certain way that feels very familiar to you. And because you don't want to feel that way anymore, you act in a certain way. Usually our reactions, our actions are uh, like our learned way of coping with the feeling that we don't want to feel. So let's just say my memorized feeling is anxiety because that's definitely something for me. When I feel anxiety, what's the memorized thing that I do to help myself not feel so anxious? Maybe I drink a bottle of wine. Maybe mm -hmm. I, um, you know, like pop a pill or whatever. Maybe I go for a walk or for a run, whatever, regardless of like whatever, however you want to categorize those like positive or negative decisions. Those are the choices that I make that help me not feel the way that I don't want to feel. And then when I take that action or have that reaction to the feeling, then I get a result, some sort of result. You know, if I drink a bottle of wine, I'm going to feel hungover, hungover the next morning. And then that result usually leads you back to the fact of your life that you wish would change. So right. fact is step one. Thought is step two. That's the story I'm telling myself. Step three is the feeling. Step four is the action or reaction. And then step five is the result. And what ends up happening is that, that those sort of five step, uh, that five step process spins on repeat over and over and over again to the point where you aren't even conscious of what's happening anymore. It's things are happening to you in your life that you wish weren't happening. And you're like, this is so bizarre because it feels like this always happens to me. Yeah, I yeah. always get taken advantage of. I always have a boss that's angry at me. I always get in the same fight with my spouse. Um, I always you know, date guys who are awful to me. I always, um, get fired unfairly, whatever it is. Like it's always the same thing over and over again. And when you use the writing process to unpack facts versus thoughts versus feelings versus reactions, you can begin to see how this is playing out in your life. And it gives you the slightest bit of agency to change it. Mm -hmm. So we don't always have control over all the facts of our lives. So, you know, we're like dealt a certain set of cards from the very beginning, but you do have a lot of agency over your thoughts. You have agency over this set of feelings, the cocktail of emotions that you're experiencing. You have agency over your actions and your reactions, and you do ultimately have agency over the results that you get. So the idea is, is that as you begin to engage in the writing process, you begin to feel more and more like you have your hand on the lever to create positive change in your life. And it really doesn't even take a lot of writing. Like you don't have to like write for a month to see any no. change happening. And even when I'm thinking of this, I had a life coach once and I was so overwhelmed. We just adopted, I mean, we adopted one child, then a sibling group of two, then a sibling group of four. And by the four, I was like completely overwhelmed. And she's like, okay, write down the struggles. And I had them write, written down. She's like, okay, let's just look at the first one. I'm like, the house is a mess and it is chaos. And she's like, now write down one sentence of something you could change. 
and like mm. just one sentence and I'm like she's like yeah and I'm like uh I can create a chore chart that will I and you know that will, we could try to get the kids involved and she's like okay that's your assignment for the week and so I made this chore chart it's been like four years now the same chore chart is sitting on the wall and the kids have stuck to it because we're like this is a chore chart it's been working for four years the house I mean we still have a lot of people in the house but every day the dishes are done before bed you know yeah. the living room's picked up and it, it took me 30 seconds maybe to think about it totally. and write down to write a chore chart and I'm like and she's like okay now there's the, the rest of the list you can do that for every like item and just write one sentence and I was like blown away because it just made me stop and think instead of being a victim and we have all these kids and they're so messy and loud and blah 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 that's going on in my mind like I'm never gonna have be able to have the house clean it was like what was one thing and I yeah the chore chart and so I think you know, we're t- people again might be going, oh, it's too much. And I can't write this down. It doesn't have to be like pages and pages. It's just stopping and thinking. And you're making a decision instead of just being carried away mm-hmm. with all those emotions and feelings. And the more you do this, the more efficient you get at it. You know, the data says that if you write for four days in a row for 20 minutes at a time, you'll see a measurable improvement in your mood and mm-hmm. the other, and, and a bunch of other things. But, um, But yeah, like to your point, I think, you know, when you have experienced it before and when you're very, um, when it becomes habit and practice to use writing as a tool, it really doesn't take much. It can be one scribbled message to yourself on a piece of paper first thing in the morning. You know, I tell people it doesn't have to be 20 minutes every day. When you've learned how this works, um, I can wake up in the morning and scribble on a piece of paper, like you're going to be okay. And sometimes that is the only thing I need to just get through the day. I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. So um, you do, you get sort of like schooled in this, you get used to it, and then you become very efficient at using writing as a tool to support yourself. And it becomes, I mean, I just think like the type of self-care, a lot of times when we talk about self-care, we think about things like manicures, pedicures, massages, Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. Botox, and, and you know, if that's your thing, nothing against that. I don't necessarily think that's self-care. And yeah. I think it's also expensive and out of reach for a lot of people. Writing is a tool that's free. It's free. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take any training. It takes, all it takes is you, your brain, a pen, a piece of paper. Everybody has access to that. So, um, so to me, I'm like, if we're thinking about tools of self-care that we can have in our back pocket, this is one that I think there's just no reason why any of us shouldn't have this tool in our back pocket. Yeah. And when I'm looking back over my like early journals and stuff and that like now I'm used to writing, but like sometimes it'd be just a scripture verse I read or something encouraging that someone said to me and I wrote it down and like looking back, it just looks like pages of like nothing's tied together, but those Mm -hmm. things writing them down. I'm like, Oh yes, I am going to clean that today. Yeah. Seek God first, you know, seek first the kingdom of God that like carried me through the day and looking back you would just see all these random notes on the paper but for those days those things that's what I clung to that's what helped me through the day and that's what made a difference like you said and just taking that that little time to write it down mm-hmm. it just sticks in your mind and that is what you need for that day totally so good like we could go on forever we could the book, I know. Is, the book is great like especially you and I were like oh my goodness this is so great but I the book again is the power of writing it down a simple habit to unlock your brain and reimagine your life um but as we're closing for someone that says okay I this sounds like 
I need it. I don't know how this works. So maybe just encourage like if they're waking up tomorrow and they're thinking, I want to incorporate this habit, maybe a couple steps that they can take. Yeah. Um, well, I talk about in the book in more detail, creating space in your physical environment, creating mm-hmm. space in your calendar, and then creating space in your mind. And these, I think, are really important. They're important foundational steps to having a writing practice because if we don't have those three things, we're unlikely to be able to develop this habit and mm-hmm. carry it, it through in any meaningful way. Um, and so I start by teaching people, a uh, teaching readers, um, a tool that I use called a calendar audit. I use this every single year at the beginning of the year where you start to look at your calendar and think about each of the things that are on your calendar and whether they bring you life and joy or whether you wish that they weren't there. Mm -hmm. And then just start to ask yourself questions like, why is this on my, why is it on my calendar if I don't want to do it? You know, I'm not, there are plenty of things that we have to do in life just because we have to do them. Right. Um, But it's, it's a really meaningful and helpful exercise to start to evaluate why the things are on our calendar that are on there and really trying to carve out time that feels like it's time to take care of you. It's self-care time. It's your writing time. If it's five minutes a day, great. If it's 20 minutes a day, even better. If it's 40, amazing. Not every season or time in life, there there's not always space for 40 minutes a day. There's not always space for 20 minutes a day. So I have a six-month-old. Sometimes I feel like I have about 60 seconds to myself a yeah. day. <laughs> um, but you know, just finding even just a moment here and there that you get to call your own is really vital and important to the creative part of you and, and to your soul, um, regardless of even if you use that time for writing. But then the second step is creating space in your physical environment. I talk a lot about this with writers because people have this misconception that in order to do writing, they need um, a special room in their house. They need a writing cabin. They need a shed out in the backyard. They need, you know, something really fancy. And we, we have this idea about writers that they write books by, you know, booking a month away at a cabin in the woods, mm-hmm. which is lovely. And I have definitely done some writing that way in a time in my life when I was single, but, um, is not always feasible for people. And a lot of books that you read and know and love have been written in the carpool line, they've been written waiting to pick your kids up from soccer practice. They've been wait. They've been written on the back of cocktail napkins five minutes before a meeting starts. They've been written on receipt paper while you're working at Starbucks. Yep. Like, so it's just not true that you have to have some special place. But I do encourage writers to find a space in their house that feels like theirs that they can go and. Um, get a, a moment of peace and quiet to themselves, especially moms who are listening and mm-hmm. looking at you. Um, living in this pandemic, you have no space in your house that's yours. Like you've given up all your space. <laughs> so you're, you know, you've got like kids all over the place, homeschooling. Everybody's like needs a different space that they can do their work. So even if it's a closet, that's fine. Even if it's a bathroom, but just like a corner of the house that you can go, this is the space I go to at the designated time of day where mom, or it doesn't have to be mom, but where I get a few minutes to myself to shut out the world. And this is my moment to take care of myself. And I'm just going to scribble a few things down. And then finally creating space in your mind is really about, um, taking stock of the thoughts that occupy so much real estate in our brains. Usually those thoughts were almost always gifted to us, mm-hmm. <laughs> gifts maybe that we didn't want, um, from other people. And, and I would, uh, venture to say 
from a therapeutic perspective, most of those thoughts were deeply ingrained in your brain before you were 10 years old. So um, taking stock of the thoughts that take up so much real estate in our brains. And another place that those thoughts come from, by the way, are um, the outside in, in present day. So 24 hour news cycle, Instagram, mm-hmm. 3000 commercial advertiser, advertise, um, advertising messages that are thrust upon us throughout our any given day. And so we have to really be intentional if we want to try to find a blank space in our brains that we get to call our own real estate. And um, this is an important part of the writing process. And it's also an important part of having a really strong foundation for mental health is being able to say like, I see that those thoughts do not belong to me. I see that they're from someone else and I choose not to hang on to them because that's not a thought that's serving me or my highest good any longer. And so I'm going to choose a different kind of thought. I'm going to choose a thought that's not the, it's not the primary way that culture is thinking right now, but that, but the primary way that culture is thinking right now is not good for me. And so I'm going to choose a different kind of thought and I'm going to meditate on that thought and I'm going to hold on to it and I'm going to own my own real estate in my brain. So I say in the book too, you know, these three things, creating space in your calendar, creating space in your physical environment, and then creating space in your mind are the foundation for a writing practice. But even if you never write a single word, if you do these three things, you're already beginning to experience the benefit of a writing practice. So this is really powerful stuff. I say that because I have lived experience with it because I've watched so many other clients have an amazing experience with it. And because I really want to see people be able to access their own intuition, be able to live in their own truth, be able to become the, you know, the, the version of themselves that is their highest self and to live the kind of life that they feel so happy with that even when there's rejection or criticism or chaos around them, that they're able to say like, huh, well, it is what, you know, it is what it is. This is life. Um, and, and move on about their day and feel, feel really full of joy. So, yeah. And I, that's exactly, I mean, people ask me all the time, like, how do you write all these books? And then I homeschool the kids and my grandma lives with me. And like, they're asking because productivity for one, but the Mm -hmm. peace and the just going with the flow for the other, they're like, (laughs) like, you know, you have all this stuff and adopted kids and drama and, and not every day is peaceful. I will say that right now, but um, I, I get up before everyone. I have my little corner on the couch. I make myself mm-hmm. a cup of tea. I have my Bible, a devotional book, a journal, my computer and my Bible reading time leads to journaling time that leads to writing time. And it's not hours and hours and hours of that my, my computer, but my thoughts are fresh and I'm yes. writing them down and the computer, you know, most books that I write are written in that hour in the morning when people are yeah. sleeping and then the next day it just builds and builds until the book is there and so it isn't like this huge thing you have to control it is that when you do create that time and that space and give your mind time to work and think it's amazing what you can produce out of it whether it is yeah. productivity or if it's peace which we need and you know things happen the day was like well I already had my time I'm chill. Yeah. I'm I'm connected with God. <laughs> Things are going well. Totally. And it's like, okay, we're good. I feel like I feel so similar. If I have my writing time at the beginning of the day, it's like everything else can go off mm-hmm. the rails. And I yeah. feel like, well, at least I had my writing time. You know, yeah. it was like the most productive time of my day. And the fact that you've written 75, but I just can't even, or is it more than 75? It's 75? more than 80 now, I think. Oh my yeah. goodness gracious woman. You are, uh, I can't even believe it. I have one, I have one child and I still feel like 
and you know, it's hard to keep up with everything, but, but to me, it yeah. speaks also to yeah. the strength of, I talk in the book about outside drama versus inside drama. And with as many children as you have living in your house, you have a lot of outside drama. Um, but the, the strength to be able to maintain an inner peace when there's mm-hmm. outside drama is a superpower. Like imagine if you could live in a world where, you know, craziest election in all of our, for in the, the whole time I've been alive and, yeah. um, you know, like fighting across party lines and fighting for over nothing that matters and, um, you know, like natural disasters and like the crazy year yeah. that we had in 2020 and, and to be able to say like, I'm okay is a superpower. Yep. It's a yeah. superpower. Yeah. Okay. Everyone go get the book. <laughs> the power <laughs> of writing it down. It's it, what I love is it's just like, you've just summarized like things that I've been doing that I didn't realize. Like it was mm. the thing that has been the magic or been the, you know, that, that has that. worked and connected. I'm like, Oh, like, like again, light bulbs going well, up in my mind. To me, so. <laughs> um, but thank you so much for being here. Where can people go just to find more information about you and then this book? Yeah. You can buy the book wherever books are sold. So I keep telling people, go to your local bookstore and buy the book there because local bookstores are struggling mm-hmm. so badly right now and we need them to stay open. So, um, so buy it there. You can buy it wherever books are sold and, um, and you can find me and the, our other writing programs at findyourvoice.com. You can also find me on Instagram. I do a lot. I mean, I'd say that's the social media platform where I'm the most active. So at Ali Fallon on Instagram and yeah, I hope to see you all around. That sounds great. And I know they need to connect with you. So we'll be having all the links to everything in the show notes. But thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Trisha. Okay, friend. Allison and I could have talked all day. It was pretty obvious. But what I love is that as I'm listening to a book and reading along with the audiobook, so I can underline, um, I love that it's all the things that I see the therapist working with my kids in trauma therapy. It's things that I heard from my coach, my life coach, um, things that I've seen in my own life and experience as all in one book in a succinct way to help us see how writing can impact us. And again, if you're like, I don't like writing, I don't like journaling. Um, honestly, you will get something out of this because it is, it's just capturing those thoughts, capturing what's going on writing things down and it does impact because once we see it we can say is that true is that something I should be believing or why do I even listen to that why do I let that thought circle in my head um going back to that example I had with my life coach Alice um you know just overwhelming feelings of I'm never going to be able to catch up and this you know that my life and this house is just going to be messy and chaos from now on um, once she said, you know, what is one thing you could do? And I said, well, write a chore chart. That isn't rock and science. Like you're making a chore chart that's simple enough for the kids to follow. Um, we've had the same chart again on our wall for like four or five years. I mean, it's been a while, but that thought of what is something I can do? What is something I can change? My mind was saying it's always going to be chaos. These kids are messy. We're never going to be able to gain control. And Yet that one thing changed things. So again, um, this can apply to so many areas of our lives. And when we take time to write those thoughts down, I know I personally will look at that and say, is this what God tells me? Is this what 
I believe because I heard it on the news or is what does scripture say? And I can go back and have conversations in my mind with God about why do I think these things and what do you say, God, and what does your word say? And it makes a huge difference. Um, One of the quotes that I really love from the book um, says, sometimes you have to totally dismantle a thing before you figure out how it needs to be put together. Writing, I have learned, is a sneaky sort of miraculous way of helping us do that. And again, you don't have to have a fancy journal. You just grab any old notebook, any old notepad and start like, this is what I'm thinking and this is what I'm feeling. And why do I think that way? And asking yourself questions, which in the book has other questions you can ask yourself, is such a good thing to get those thoughts out of our spinning minds and to write them down. Um, One thing that I learned, again, my kids going to therapy and then um, writing, I have a book called Calming Angry Kids. And so a lot of these principles that Allison talks about, I have pulled into that book, Calming Angry Kids, um, which again is available anywhere. But once we start doing this ourselves, we could teach our kids because one thing I learned in trauma therapy is your emotional brain and your thinking brain cannot be going on at the same time. So if our kids are emotional and they're out of control and you start asking questions, then they have to start thinking about it. Um, And so it moves from their emotional brain to their thinking brain, and then they start to calm down. So this is something I learned in therapy to do with my kids. Why do you feel that way? Um, What would you like your brother or sister to have done differently? How can we fix it for next time? Like it gets them to think. And once they start thinking, they can't be emotional. Now, as I'm reading this book and talking to Allison, what even better next step would be to write it down. Um, to if they're, if they're thinking, well, I would like my sibling to ask me before he used my things. Okay, let's write that down. And then, you know, you're, again, you're putting it down. You're putting, giving it a place to look at it, to evaluate it. Maybe, so, okay, let's go talk to your sibling about this instead of just those emotional parts. And I think so many times we don't even know what emotions we're going through what we're feeling, we just feel stressed. And when we stop and say, why am I, you know, cr- cranky with my kids today? It can be something completely different just because my jeans didn't button up this morning or something like that. So just know, um, again, I just feel like I'm babbling here, but all that to say, I think there's so much worth in like Allison's title of the book says the power of writing it down. Now today's walking out scripture is Psalm 45 one. And this is in the New Living Translation. Beautiful words stir my heart. I will recite a lovely poem about the king, for my tongue is like the pen of a skillful poet. And why I love that. And of course, the Bible doesn't have very many verses about poetry or about writing. But I wanted to bring this out because writing will not only help us when we're we're you know, thinking of problems or stress, we can also use the beautiful words to impact our lives and thankfulness. And so another one of my books is A Grumble for a Year. And one of the things we talk about is just being grateful and learning to give gratitude. And so writing things that um, you can be thankful for, that you, again, the Psalm 45 one says, beautiful words stir my heart. So think about beauty and goodness in your life too. And again, writing it down can impact our days. So don't even think about this just as writing down the troubles and struggles, which of course, do that too. That will help. But also writing can help 
when we write down things we're grateful for, things that we're thankful for, make those lists. Um, you know, you don't have to write a lovely poem like it talks about in the psalm, but we can write things down and it just reminds us to be grateful. So let me pray for us today. Um, dear Heavenly Father, first of all, I thank you that you have given us a tool that can impact our lives, that can get all those thoughts out of our minds and we can write down what we're really thinking and what we're really feeling and what you believe and what your word says. Um, I also know, Lord, that you know when, we're, when we write down things we're grateful for, it just helps us to grow in gratitude. When we write those thank you notes or write a letter to a friend, all those things really help us, Lord. And so I thank you for this gift of writing, this tool that we have, this way to express ourselves, but also to really um, take all those spinning crazy thoughts and to to change them as we write them down and we think about you when we think about um, transformation that could happen in our lives. I pray for um, the listeners out there that maybe there's something in this conversation that will encourage them to write, even though they don't feel like they're writers. And for those who desire to write, who desire to publish, who desire to um, get their words out there, I pray against the fear that's telling them that they're not good enough. And I think every single person, including myself, has that fear, like this is not going to work and it's not going to sound good. But I pray against those fears that um, whether it's for ourselves or for others, for publication, that we will be faithful in writing the messages that we need to write. I pray for Allison. I pray for her family. I pray for this book. I pray for her as she continues to teach and train and help people through writing, whether they want to be published or not. I pray that you will just bless her in all that she does. And um, thank you, Lord, that you are always with us and that you have given us your written word that we can use and apply to our lives. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, friends, thank you so much for tuning in to walk it out. I appreciate you. I appreciate um, all that you've done. And if you've never gone over to look at the show notes, make sure you do that. So if you just go to walkitoutpodcast.com, I work every week to write a summary of either something that was in the podcast or a different thought. So it might be something completely different, a different tool, a different story. And I put those in the show notes and we have graphics that you can share on your Facebook or on your Pinterest account. Um, and then there's always links to whatever information my guest has. So make sure you go to walkitoutpodcast.com, look at the show notes, share the graphics, let people know about this podcast, and then leave a comment for me. I'd love to hear in those comments of the show notes what you thought about the podcast and how it impacted you. That would be a huge blessing if you use your words for that. But friends, I pray that you will have a wonderful week. Thanks for listening to Walk It Out. Head over to the show notes for this podcast and all past episodes at www.walkitoutpodcast.com. If you love the show, share it with someone you know who can make a radical difference in the world. We love new friends. See you next time.